And I want you to know that what the Lord wants more than He wants your performances and your CDs and your gifts. He just wants you. He wants your heart. He wants your passion. He wants your ear. He wants to know you. And if you can lead you in worship, you can figure out how to lead other people in worship. Hey, community. In today's episode, Matt sits down and interviews Zach Neese. Zach is a worship pastor at Gateway Church, and they talk about the most important thing a worship pastor or worship leader needs to remember. They also discuss why this season of leading church online and being at home could be a blessing in disguise for many worship leaders. They also discuss Gateway's new video series titled How to Worship a King. This is a great video series that shares powerful biblical truths and practical encouragement to help believers deepen their understanding and passion for worship. You can stream or download the video series at howtoworshipaking.com. Enjoy the episode. Hey. Hey, how's it going, man? Zach, nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you, too. You doing all right today? Yeah, doing well. It's really beautiful here today in Chicago, so I took a little scooter ride around our neighborhood. Man, uh, one decent day yesterday. I'm I'm not complaining because we have a lot of sunshine and we have uh, fairly beautiful weather. But yesterday didn't break ninety, like hundred. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, are you in Texas? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh. Well, man, it's good to meet you. I'm glad that we got to connect, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit today about worship. Go figure. But we're going to talk about this video series you're doing. So I actually watched a few of the videos that was sent to me from Mark, and it seems like it's just a really awesome video series. And seems like it would be a really, really good thing for worship teams to watch together or worship leaders. If there's a church with like a worship leader group, like, or even like getting worship leaders from your town together, if you can now <laughs> wearing face masks or something, but it seems like a really great resource for worship teams. So can you just tell me like, where'd that come from? And like, was this something that has been on your heart for a while or like, what is, what's the story behind it? So, um, I started leading worship in the late nineties. I mean, you know, professional pastor in the late nineties in a great little church in the Hills of Pennsylvania. In the time there weren't any resources, you know, the the idea of resourcing was getting songs in the hands of uh, worship leaders, which was great. You know, I think that's, that's yeah resource we need those tools but what we didn't have is training so so all of the the worship leading uh, was really being done from the platform and do you remember the the movie uh, the grinch totally yeah so you remember that little dog the grinch hooks up to his sleigh and like he's beating this dog trying to get him to, to lug that that entire sled full of toys up this mountain yeah off this poor little dog so i'm a worship pastor in this community that doesn't understand anything about worship and i feel like that little dog trying to get that sleigh yeah. every day you know trying to pull people in the presence of god yeah because the team doesn't know that doesn't understand and the right. creation doesn't understand right love jesus they don't they don't really know what they're doing so man way back then i started putting together resources to train my worship teams in my congregation so they'd understand it, you engage in worship more when you understand what you're doing and, and, and what the results are. And then I uh, went to Crash of the Nations and I directed the school of worship there for a while and, and trained, man, worship leaders from something like 50 countries. Wow. And then uh, went to another church, an incredible church, Emma, and, and then back to Texas to Gateway. And, and my job here was to was to help train the worship teams and the congregation. 
Because the idea is, so what if worship leading is not being done just in the platform? What if on every row there are people or groups of people who are leading the people around them in worship? They're carrying that ministry themselves, you know what I mean? Yeah, right. So, so th- that's where it started a long time ago. And then we started thinking, how do we get this into more people's hands? Wrote the book. Yeah. Video series. It, it, the video talking- series, it's so well done. It's really casual, like really just high, high quality. Thank you. Um, and so it really applies too to like even everybody in the band too, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's mm-hmm. idea. So you go to a typical band. Yeah. And I don't mean any criticism by this. And you go around the circle and you ask them, what is worship? And if you have uh-huh. a band, you're going to have 12 different answers, you know? Yeah. And unity's potent, man. Yeah. So what happens when you all have the same understanding of where you're going and what you're doing, you know? Yeah. Isn't so, that wild? I feel like a lot of people get into worship and they don't even really understand why we worship <laughs> or even the theology behind it. It's just they learned how to play guitar and they learned how to play a couple of the current fresh songs. Yeah. <laughs> it's helpful if you know deeper why and the pastoral sense too. It's so important. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. So what you guys are doing, you're you're resourcing well, Luke community. You're you're resourcing people. You're you're giving them tools to help right. their congregations and their teams worship. You're you're giving them tools for the musical aspect of it, right? Yep. I'm trying to give them tools for the theology and the heart of what they're doing. Yeah, so and that is so important. That they're actually ushering people into the presence of God. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and you need both. And I would actually maybe say that you need what you're doing before you need what we're doing. Like as far as the level of importance. Yeah. Like, I think it's better to have the blueprint of the house before you like start digging, you know? <laughs> so, you know what I've discovered, man, I've led in, in itty bitty churches and I've, I've pastored great big churches and quality matters because we're serving a king and his bride. Right. But I think we have just about mastered quality. I think, yeah, I've never seen this quality of worship in history, but I think in the midst of that, what we've lost is sometimes the indwelling presence of the living God. He doesn't dwell in, in our quality. He dwells in the midst of the worship and the praise of his people. And the thing is, you know, Psalm 133, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. So you get a band of people, like I was saying, and, and they're in unity. You really worship in a small group of like 10 people. And for some yeah. reason, you get into the presence of God than it is with 100 people. Because 100 people's brains are in 100 different directions. But 10, yeah. well, you can bring together into unity so much more easily with an acoustic guitar, right? So yeah. if a congregation gets together in unity like that, man, if a worship team gets together in unity like that, what we found is, man, the presence of God precedes us onto the platform and precedes us into the congregation when we have a unity of heart and mind and understanding. Yeah. So that's the point, you know? Oh, that's so good. I know I've been thinking, you know, I've, I've been leading worship since probably, well, since I was 15. So like 15 years, uh, wow, 20 years. And I think back to like, yeah, the quality when I first started leading worship, like it was not what it is now, like at all, you know, but I remember the worship times just being so like sweet and impactful and like really sensing like God's presence. Yeah. And to be honest with you, now I feel like our quality is a hundred percent like awesome, but sometimes I feel like we're just running through like a, a quick 18 minute set list. And kind of losing that whole sensitivity to God's presence in a way. I don't want to paint like a huge brush on that and saying that that applies everywhere. But I do feel like we've maybe leaned a little bit more towards 
the quality side being important. Yeah. Man, as you were saying that, I was just thinking about, I, I get all these an analogies that start scrolling through my head. I love to go into the mountains. And, you know, you can stay in the highway and see some beauty in the mountains. But if you want to see something wondrous, if you want a sense of awe, find a track, you know, find a trail. Um, get off somewhere that you weren't intending to go and wonder. And I feel like loops are, are amazing. They get us up into that area in the mountain where you can wonder, right? Where mm -hmm. we go and explore. You know, God God sometimes hangs out on the edges of our songs and, and the, the, the loop helps us. But how do you get to the edges? How, how do you get around all that? You yep. know? Totally. I'm a firm, firm believer in that. But yeah, like the track, the loop, like helps you get maybe like up to the main part of the mountain <laughs> or it gives you at least a starting point. But then I feel like you need to be able to leave the track uh, even just for a moment, if that's what's, what's happening. So I want to ask you a question. I was actually thinking about this question this morning when, it, when I was coming up with this, this list to ask you, but why is singing worship songs even important? Because it almost seems like we put so much emphasis behind worship. And, you know, there's like a whole like culture behind it and there's jobs and careers now behind it. And like, <laughs> I, don't, hey, I don't think you're going to like my answer. Shoot um, it, man. I am. I'm ready. I think this is cultural. I think that we we have culturally elevated a couple of gifts in the church. And one of those is musicianship. And one of those is the is the orator, the ability to speak. And I think that's because our our branch of uh, of theology came from Western thought rather than Eastern thought. Western thought was was very, get a people, a bunch of people in a room and preach to them, right? Perform for them. That's very Western thought. Eastern thought was always get in the presence of God and listen to him talk. Mm. You know what I mean? So I think our culture has elevated music and then we've exported it all over the world. Now, of course, there was, man, there was music used in worship in Moses' tabernacle and David's tabernacle and Solomon's because it's potent, man. It's a potent aspect of worship. Right. But there's not one word for worship in the Bible that means music. Yeah. In other words, you can worship with music because music is an incredible, music is this vehicle that connects the triunity of man with the triunity of God because it moves my heart, you know, and, and, it, and it moves my body. It physically affects me and it moves my spirit too. Yeah. And triune God and music is like this perfect antenna for connecting us with the triune God. So it's a very potent tool. But what we've done is we've relegated worship to the area of musicianship and then we've idolized all these musicians rather than allowing the body of Christ to realize that with every gift and impulse and strength and weakness and ability and aspect of your nature, you can worship Jesus. And sometimes you do that with music and sometimes you do it with something. Sometimes you do it scrubbing toilets, man. I do it changing diapers. You worship with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Wow, that's good. We're going to have to come back and say, this is an amazing vehicle. I know it's potent. I know it's eternal, this gift of, of music. But if, if we don't all come back to the heart of what this really means. This is about uh, affection for a God who first had affection for us and submission to his lordship. And the world see, hears our songs, but then they see our disobedience and they say, that's not really worship. Ooh, yeah, man. I kind of wondered if, that, if you were going to go that way because I think that, that I, that's what I've been kind of feeling a lot too recently in that I've been leading worship for most of my life. And in the past couple of years, I've actually stepped away from leading full-time worship as far as being like full-time at a staff on church staff. And I've had a little bit more breathing room to kind of look. And I've, I've started to feel like, man, you know what? 
I almost wonder if I like idolized worship. <laughs> like I like almost took it too seriously in a way or like made. And what I mean by that is like, I took the like 15, 20 minutes that I had like singing, putting the set list together, making it perfect, sounding like exactly like the artist, whatever. Like it's almost like I took myself and what we were doing like way too seriously and kind of forgetting all the other aspects <laughs> of what it means to be a believer, a worshiper. You know what I mean? That it's not just music, like you just said. And I just think that that's a really good reminder. I would be curious, what would you, if you were talking to like a 15 year old Matt McCoy, let's just say you were meeting with a 15 year old worship leader who's just getting started. He asked you to get coffee and he's like, Hey, like I want to start leading worship. Like, tell me what would you, would you say is like most important thing you would want to tell a young worship leader that's just getting started? First of all, I, I would want him to understand that your gift is ancillary. It's, it's, something you utilize to worship, but that's not what worship is. And it's not who you are. So you can worship God and you can fully be a son of God without ever utilizing your gift. And I would want you to know that, that your father adores you. He's in love with you and he wants to know you and he wants to talk to you. I learned how to worship in a bedroom by myself because I didn't know any Christians at the time. I, I, I'd gotten saved at the University of Texas and uh, I didn't know a single Christian. My parents were Christians, but uh, no, nobody my age, you know, yeah. and I sat on the floor in my bedroom with a guitar and talked to God until he showed up. And I think one of the reasons I'm doing what I'm doing today is because I learned to lead me in worship. And I want you to know that what the Lord wants more than he wants your performances and your CDs and your gifts. He just wants you. He wants your heart. He wants your passion. He wants your ear. He wants to know you. And if you can lead you in worship, you can figure out how to lead other people in worship. How do you lead you into the presence of God, into that quiet place where you could hear him, where you know his yeah. voice? And I think one of the problems with our excellence and our uh, our volume, and not, I don't have anything against volume. I'm just saying right. constantly talking and singing from the platform. When does the bride of Christ hear the groom for themselves? Yeah. And, and I want you, Matt, to know how to hear him yourself. So that when you walk into a congregation or a small group, which is probably the first thing you're going to do, that you can give them the opportunity to hear God for themselves. And then yeah. you leave it. You know what I mean? Yeah. First of all, I know that you have a video, actually. I watched one of your videos that you actually talk about that, of like that God wants to know you. And you're talking about like how a father just loves their child and they, they can like bust into your room and wake you up, you know? <laughs> when you're like in a deep sleep, wearing a Superman cape or something, and only your child could do that. You know, like it'd be weird if your neighbor did that. Yeah. <laughs> and like, and that's how the father feels feels about us. And I was talking to a couple of friends a couple of days ago who have, they've all grown up in church their whole life. And we were just talking about like, how do you connect with God now? Cause we were talking about church and you know, some of them were saying like, I don't connect with God through church at all. And um, <laughs> some were like, you know, I don't connect with God through scripture and I wish I could, but I just don't for some reason. And so how do they? I, well, <laughs> a lot of it was community, honestly. Most of the time, the guys were saying community. You know, some were scripture. But I, but for me, it was. it's always been worship music. Like, even though, like, and even if it's just me sitting and playing my guitar, you know, singing my 15-month-old to sleep, you know, yeah. and no one's watching. <laughs> it's just me, like, just singing old, like, vineyard songs that come to my head. Or those moments, like, always just move me like that is how i feel close to god so i think that like worship and singing is so important and like there is something so powerful about it but i just have wondered if like we've made it into something 
in the church, like what you were just saying that like we've made it into a, a cultural. <laughs> well, l- let me ask you. Yes. If we lost all of our technology today, yeah. if for whatever reason we weren't able to join together, as we are in many places, we're not able to join together yeah. in our churches. As a pastor, would I have trained my people to be able to worship without all of the helps that I've given? Yeah. Can they do it without my guitar? Can they do it without my voice? Can they do it without our worship team? Can they do it without meeting together? I, I want us to be yeah. able to so much power. Is, I yeah. love being in the community of believers. But, but what happens if we can't? Because you know what? Iran's the fastest growing church in the world right now, and it's illegal for them to meet. How are they pulling that off? They don't have any worship teams. They don't have any church buildings. How are they pulling that off? Yeah. Less than our worship somehow. I'm kind of afraid that we have a very soft body. You know, soft. Yeah. We we haven't developed our muscle tone in terms of in in terms of teaching our people how to have individual relationships with God. We kind of have secondhand relationships. You know. Yeah. Like everyone is coming and listening to our stories about somebody. They're listening to me talk about somebody I know, but they don't know him. You know, they love yeah. him, but but have I introduced them to him? Do they right. have a relationship with him? And in, until we've done that, I'm not sure we're good worship pastors. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost that scripture. I can't remember where it is, but it talks about how like you still feasting off of milk, or like yeah. meat. Like, have you? How, are we teaching people to like be able to like, yeah, have church, have fellowship without being in a building right now? And I'm with you, man. Like, I miss church so much right now. This these past couple months have been really hard in that regard. What would you say, like, with this whole pandemic and worship leaders having to adjust how they're leading? You know, they're on live stream now. Some aren't even doing church at all. Like if you're at a really small church that didn't do a live stream, like they're not even meeting. Or some are thinking about going back. Like what tips do you would you have for worship leaders as they try to handle <laughs> everything that's going on right now? Yeah. I'm sure there's other worship there's worship leaders too who are worried about their jobs, maybe even. Yeah, yeah. I actually think this this is kind of a double blessing to us. First of all, I think that God has been trying to 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 get the church to pay attention to to technology for a long time, you know. And yeah. And the, always seems to last to get on the train of anything that we have that's a useful technology. So it's almost like the Lord has grabbed us by the cheeks and gone, when are you going to use the tools that I told you to use? Because this is how we get the Great Commission across the earth. So I love this aspect, that this is making us use this kind of platform, right? So I love that. I think worship leaders uh, in a lot of ways have been stripped of a lot of their tools. So how good is that? How wonderful that I have to sit on a Facebook page with just my guitar and I don't have any effects on my voice and it's completely raw and I have to figure out how to get people in the presence of God again and even be challenged by that thought that it's even possible for me to get them in the presence of God again. I can, I never could do it to begin with and my tools never helped me. The truth is this is a Holy Spirit thing. He's the one that gets them into the presence of the living God, right? So I get yeah. all my strength and suddenly I have to rely on the Holy Spirit again, right? And I, I feel like we need that. I feel like we need to be stripped of what we perceived to be strength so that we can rely on the strength of God again. Because I think when we come out of this, in fact, right now, there are so many people who are deciding whether or not this God is worth following because there's so much turmoil going on around us. Our, our nation is in turmoil. Our world is in turmoil. Our politics are crazy, are nuts. So when people come out of their houses, it's almost like a rebirth, right? It's almost like coming out of this womb of COVID. And when they come out, who are they going to be and what are they going to be looking for? Are they going to be looking for a new 
a new religious experience? Are they going to be looking to meet the living God that we've been talking about this entire time? They had all they, they had their uh, they had all of their entertainment. They had uh, all their friendships. They had their social media. Suddenly they realized everything's falling apart and I got nothing. So what's the church going to give them when they come out the door? Man, this is historic. We're, we're either going to mm-hmm. have a whole church wide flop and we're not going to serve the body of Christ well. But we're going to have one of the biggest, I think, revivals in history. And I think a lot of us are poised yeah. for it, hungry for it. I can see the look. I agree eyes, with man. you on that. Oh yeah, <laughs> I agree with you. I think that this is like a, a blessing in disguise because I do think that maybe we kind of got on cruise control a little bit. Just kind of we got it down. You know, it was like a very like prescri- like we just knew what to do. You know, and now it's just like you have to innovate. Like you have to also be relying on God, <laughs> like way more. You know what I mean? Like we should have been all all along. But it's like, it's like God like forced us into that position to be like, all right, like you you need me and like, let's do this. And I do think that after this, we're going to see like people are hungry for community and like being back together again. I do think we're going to see like a revival and maybe also like more mature believers in that they've had to, you know, they didn't just go to church every Sunday. Like they've had to like figure out like, okay, what does this really mean to me? Like, do I believe this? And like, how do I practice that? And how do I live that out? And maybe in like more conversations with their neighbors, because you know, you're not flying all over the world anymore, but you're talking to the person that lives next door to you. And I mean, I know that my wife and I have had that experience. Like we've talked to more people on our block the past four months than we did in like years. (laughs) And I think that is what we're supposed to be doing. And right there, I think alone, that is like the blessing in disguise for this whole thing. And God, I think knew exactly, well, obviously he knew exactly what, what he was doing. I agree. I, th- I think he's realigning us. I think if we're yeah. on ourselves and we look at our culture, uh, if our morals are going down the toilet, if they have, yeah. we've just been putting makeup on it. We've yeah. just readying it up. If our race relations are going down the toilet, if, if our politics have been down the toilet, it seems like forever. And, and all of this, is, uh, we're suddenly realizing it. Listen, if the majority of people in this uh, nation are Christians, then whose responsibility is this? Yeah. Right. Everything's been going down the toilet is because it's because Christians have we have some culpability in this. And and I think we've part of worship is the love, but the other part is Lord, right? Yeah. And as long as we don't follow Jesus Christ as our Lord and submit ourselves completely to his culture and to his way of doing things, our culture's gonna unravel. It by necessity it has to unravel. And yeah. and is love and lordship. So if our culture is unraveling it's partly due to our lack of submission to his lordship. And I think a church coming out of COVID is going to have to say, all right, I see my culpability in this. Maybe I was like the church of Laodicea and I was neither hot nor cold. Maybe yeah. that was me. Maybe that was our church. Maybe we thought we were rich, but we were actually poor. Maybe we thought we had it all together, but we're mm-hmm. actually blind. Maybe, maybe everybody was attending our church except for Jesus Christ. And maybe it's time for us to make some amendments. Maybe it's time for us to make some changes you know, I think wow. it, yeah. the Lord's talking to that church right now. He's going, listen, I, I'm standing at the door and knocking. Uh-huh. If you open the door, I'll come and eat with you. That's communion. I'm going to come in and have communion with you and you with me. He who has ears, let him hear. I want to draw you up into my lap on my throne because I tell you what, some people think the end of the world is coming. I think a throne is coming, man. And we either fall before it or we fall under it, you know, and I want to be the guy that falls before it. Because I want to see the glory of God on our earth throughout our planet. And I want to serve the glory of God because I adore him. And he's done so much for me, you know? Yeah. Well, I just talked to him. No, man. 
This is so good. I like having these just real conversations. Honestly, I, I just like, I'm, I'm kind of done with asking like the fluffy, like easy questions. Cause I think that like, these are some things that need to be talked about. And um, this is the time I think to talk about it. And I'm hearing a lot of the stuff you're saying is stuff that you addressed in the video series. You know, you were just talking about the Lordship and being priests and this video series, you guys, if you're listening to this on our podcast or watching live on Instagram, you got to check out this video series. So where actually can people get the video series? Gateway Publishing. You, you can go to my page and you can, uh, the link is on the bio. You can either download yeah. it or you can stream it. Um, the physical copy hasn't come out yet. We haven't even released this information yet, but we just came out with the Spanish subtitles. One of the, the oh, top cool. that I asked when we did this is I really want to serve the Spanish speaking community because I feel like they're integral to world revival. Honestly, I think the Spanish community yeah. is world revival. And so that just became available yesterday. I'm really excited about that. So that's if you awesome. Publishing, you can, you can download it. I have the, the book and, and the audio yeah. and those are in, the books in like nine different languages you can get that but really just like you guys are resourcing in terms of musicianship i want to resource the church man i i, I want to help pastors worship pastors small group leaders people in the congregation learn how to take a hold of their high calling man their high calling is to minister to god and to minister to the people that he's put in their lives the neighbors you're talking about your honor is to minister to the neighbors that you were just talking about and yeah. how minister the presence of God to our neighbors. Listen, that's how it changes the world, right? Right. Well, actually, before I ask this last question, I think actually we're going to be premiering the first video on our YouTube channel, but I can't for <sighs> sure guarantee that, but I'm pretty sure that's happening. Do it. So we'll definitely be announcing to everybody uh, through our email list when that's available. Um, but I definitely want people to be able to watch this video series because I think it's really good for teams to be talking about these things. For a worship leader who is um, like on staff at a church, how can a worship leader reach their highest potential? <laughs> their potential as a leader in that role, leading their church in worship. Like, cause I think it's, it's easy for maybe worship leaders to focus so much of time on planning a worship set or getting the charts together, getting the tracks together. And maybe that is a way to reach highest potential, but I'd be curious from you, like what, how, do, how can a worship leader reach their highest potential in that role? I'm not crazy about the term worship leader. I know a lot of churches use that term. I really prefer pastor. And the reason I do is because I feel like that the worship leader is one of the most pastoral roles in the church. If I can begin to change my perspective and, and realize every time I meet with the congregation, every time I meet with my worship team, I'm pastoring their hearts. Man, this is cradle to the grave ministry. Every time we come together, it's somebody's last time to be in that room. Every time we come together, it's somebody's first time to be yeah. in the room. And the Lord has a heart for that specific moment. The, the Lord has a desire and a passion for that specific moment. And if I can stay attuned, it's almost like it, there's something prophetic about it. I, I know people come from different backgrounds yeah. watching this right now. But there's something prophetic about being able to hook up to the perspective of God and carry the heart of God speak the words of God and do the things of God with people. And, and when you do that, you're channeling the living God to the people around you. You're not just, you're not just singing songs anymore, right? You're channeling right. the living God through your body. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit indwelt by a God who's reaching out and drawing people to himself. And, and until we get that, 
man, we're just song leaders. And you can move a person's soul because you're a great musician. And some people don't even know the difference that their spirit has been left untouched. Yeah. I don't want their emotions to just be moved. I think that's important because we've got emotional God. God loved the world, so loved the world. So he's an emotional God. I get that. I want just yeah. them to be moved. I want them to be able to meet the living. That's what's transformative. Meet the living God. When Jesus Christ walks into the room, he can do whatever he wants to do and anything is possible. But as long as I'm carrying this and ministering in my own strength and ministering to the souls and the preferences of people, I'm always going to be frustrated and I'm always going to be chasing that excellent performance, trying to knock a ball out of the park every time. And there's, there's stress in that. You're never going to reach your potential that way. Yeah. We could do an entire episode on just leader versus pastor and those words even and like what they mean and the differences between those two. I was on staff at a church that wouldn't give me, I asked if I could be, if my title could be worship pastor and they said no, it had to be worship leader. And it was just because of how they like somehow have pastors fit into the organizational structure or something. But like it did say something though about what they want me to do (laughs) in a sense. You know, if a church just says, I just want you to come up and lead songs, just lead these four songs. You're just preparing the people to be able to receive the word. Personally, that's not my calling. My calling is not to be like the music before you come into the table and receive a sermon. That's not my job. Some some people, that's cool. If you want to do that, that's all right. But that's not my job. My job is to take a hold of the hand of heaven and to take a hold of the hand of earth through the love and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to bring heaven and earth. And uh, if you give me room to do that, and if you let me do that, and I can serve that way. But if yeah. you just to sing songs, everybody's going to be frustrated. <laughs> right, right, right. Man, well, Zach, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about this stuff. You guys, make sure you check out Zach's book and this video series, How to Worship a King. It's really, really good. What's your website address, Zach? Um, my website's so old. It's, it's just Zach oh. Nisa whatever but um right find it on amazon or something go to gateway publishing and you can uh go to uh, my instagram is zach niece one okay cool and i'll have the uh, link there in the bio awesome man it was great meeting you thanks for taking the time to do this and for your just heart to pastor worship pastors i was about to say worship leader but it's pastoring worship pastors so it's it's awesome you can call what you want just do it (laughs) yeah right it's true man all right brother Take care. Thanks for joining us on the Loop Kennedy Podcast. Music from this episode is brought to you by John Guerra from his album, Little Songs. Make sure you check it out on Apple Music or Spotify. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, leave a review and a rating. It means a lot. We'll see you soon.